And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling Made and angry Hear that co-host shouting It's Dainer and Jay Today's episode of Hear That Podcast Ground is presented by Visa, a network working for everyone. Paul Inner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic working for you. What's up, Jay? Oh, not much. Getting getting excited by the day to, to head to Cleveland. Town takes a lot of darts, but it's always one of my favorite road trips of the year. It was my only road trip of last year, so uh, glad to be going back in a more normal circumstance this year. Yeah, you know, it's it's nice to be drivable. It's nice to be uh, full of delicious uh, options, <laughs> shall we say. So uh, always, always fun to uh, to head up there. And uh, we'll have Zach Jackson uh, on later to talk a little bit about the Browns. Uh, the, the tone around town and on the press box might be a little different, and Zach will explain <laughs> where the Browns are at. We'll talk to him about what the future is with Baker Mayfield and – you know, a team that kind of you thought maybe the Bengals and Browns would be reigniting this rivalry for many years to come. Now you wonder if the Browns will be along for the ride. And uh, Zach will talk to us a little bit about that. We've got a bunch to get to. News uh, on Joe Burrow is not going to play Sunday. We'll discuss that. Um, a bunch of additions to the COVID list. Who is going to play? Who's not going to play? Uh, who's going to start? Um, we've got a bunch of awards that have happened. More MVP. <laughs> Action! Nickelodeon is just loving the Bengals. They really are kind of a Nickelodeon team, really. When you think about it, I mean they're they're really built for Nickelodeon with the with their young base and the dancing and everything else. So I, yeah. we've got that. Uh, I've got a, got a couple a couple of uh, things said in some interviews that we've done this week that I think you might find interesting, and I think give start to paint a better view of maybe why this team is where it is uh, outside of the obvious of the quarterback and stuff. I But um, I want to bring you some of that. We'll talk a little bit about some of the, the yearly awards that have been, you know, kind of a chance to discuss those MVP rookie of the year, coach of the year There's a lot of sh- should the Bengals win those, how many, and there's kind of a little bit of debates in all of them. We'll check back in with bed MGM, see what they are saying and uh, kind of offer up some, some perspective on that. Uh, Jay's going to test me with some Battle of Ohio, some Boo trivia. I'm ready for some Boo trivia from you. Uh, growler bet, run, passer boot prediction for Sunday's big tilt of backups will be coming your way. Let's dive in, Jay. I'm ready. Uh, Joe Burrow's not going to play. Uh, we sort of hinted at this on Tuesday. We felt this is where it was going to end up, and it does. Look, Joe Burrow has taken 51 sacks. 
His knee is sore. He's still playing through a pinky. And there's just not a ton of difference in ease of path from really any spot that isn't one. And the chances of getting to one are very slim. So Joe Burrow doesn't play. And Brandon Allen could go win you a game. I think all of those things put together, um, at least Brandon Allen can go win you this game. Uh, all those things put together led to the decision to not play Burrow this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Finley won this team a game last year, and Brandon Allen did. And this team, that team was not near as good as this one now. A lot of a lot of the the pieces that make this team so good also will be resting with Burrow, but. Yeah, it, it just it makes all the sense in the world to rest Joe, even even if he wasn't dealing with the knee or the pinky. I I think that would be the case. I mean, that's worst case scenario is that something happens in a meaningless game. That's why guys don't play in the preseason. And this obviously has a little bit more meaning than a preseason game. But you're right. There's not a big difference between the the path at two, three, or four, and getting a number one seed is such a long shot that it just it makes no sense to to expose Burrow to any kind of any kind of injury. And it's not like it's an average defense you're playing. Cleveland has a good defense with a fierce pass rush, and the, the less hits that Joe Burrow takes in this game, the better. So let's just make it zero. And not just the value of not playing Burrow to avoid injury, not not just the negative, but the positive of him having some time to rest that knee and pinky. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, he said the knee is sore. He could he could play this Sunday and 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 would play if it was a a real you know essentially a real game. But are you really going to go have him go out there and? play through something, not just something, multiple things in, in order to win this game for the, what, you know, the, the value of the rest, you get a more mobile, uh, more pocket savvy, confident Joe Burrow in your playoffs. That's huge. I mean, it has been really partially the game changer as the season progressed in what we've seen in Burrow getting better and better and better is that confidence in the pocket, that ability to, confidence where his body's at and you know the idea of jeopardizing any piece of that for you know maybe there's a five percent easier path if you definitely win this game you know what are what are we playing here with the odds and then so i i think i think it makes sense i don't have a i have no problem with it at all Uh, i think it's the right move and you have him ready to go this team is not going to make the Super Bowl because they were the two seed. First of all, they've played better on the road this year. <laughs> so if you're worried about catching a road game and it's in a later round or something like that, I don't have a problem with that. And this team will make the Super Bowl because Joe Burrow is great. So their basket should be full of eggs that all have number nine's <laughs> health on them. Okay, that's what this is about, not about making sure they're walking down the perfect path or whatever. And so um and they may still go down a great path if 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 Allen can get them there. So I don't I don't mind this at all. Yeah, and it not that it factors in in the decision at all, 
But if, if you're making a checklist, it's just one more thing. Rain and snow in the forecast, grass field, just nothing, just kind of moving on beyond Burrow. Some of those other guys that, that may not play, this is, this is a game to just be as cautious as possible. And it's not like Cleveland's going to be throwing all their starters out there and it, it, it's going to be a bloodbath. It's, it's going to be two teams playing what looks like a dress rehearsal preseason game where maybe some guys get some action, but for the most part, it's, it's just going to be everybody look at the clock and see how fast it can move from, from 60 minutes down to zero. Yeah. Run the ball, you know, get your team some, some physical run game stuff and, mm-hmm. and let Brandon Allen throw it a little bit. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, you mentioned the other guys. So reserve COVID list is filled up. Uh, they did. Did they actually? Do we know they went to meet you at the Arby's in Hamilton, Jay, for the COVID party? Try to get everybody uh, there. Get, get this out of the way. They did not meet me, but they met somewhere. There does appear to be a COVID party <laughs> that happened because quite a few guys went on the list. And uh, although the, for how quickly some of them went on on Monday, that's not from picking it up Sunday night while celebrating. They, no. they were lucky. Those guys were those guys were probably positive when they played that game. Yeah, uh, so. I, I think a lot of you know the look the league has set this up that every that there are tons of people out there playing positive hmm. that are that are out there. But that's just the league was like, look, we're just we're just done with it, okay? And so they do this targeting tested targeted testing on Monday. They pick random people and they test them. They tend to not be very high profile a lot of times. Um, And those people, if they are positive, they go on the COVID reserve list. And they're off by the time Sunday comes. Their five days are cleared by the time Sunday comes. So it's not really a worry. And then you can self-report symptoms and test. And then they can find out if you have it. If you do have it, if you get a positive test, you do not have to take a test for 90 days. You are clear through the postseason. And so would does anybody want to be out here getting COVID? No, everyone has COVID. Like everyone. It's like, I think it's one out of every six have a positive test in Hamilton County right now. And that doesn't count the people that don't have don't didn't test. take the test mm-hmm. or report a test. I mean, that's just what it is. So if someone re- were to report symptoms this week, and they weren't planning on playing Sunday anyway, would it? Would there be a benefit, a small benefit on the other side of not having to worry about anything taking them out of a playoff game? Hmm. Correct. Let me read you the COVID reserve list. Uh, Joe Mixon, Von Bell, Trey Hendrickson, BJ Hill, Trey Hopkins, Quentin Spain, all added to the COVID reserve list this week. I think that there was a, there's probably was a thought, well, if I'm going to self-report, now's the time to do so. Mm-hmm. And so maybe some weeks they wouldn't. This week's this week they did. You be the judge on all of that. Um, on the injury side of things, the only things that really popped up are Sam Hubbard with a thigh, uh, CJ Uzama with a knee slash hip. Those would be new. The rest, 
Now, Burrow, we knew. Jalen Davis missed last game with an ankle. We knew. Cam Sample missed last game with a hamstring. We knew. Larry Ogunjobi just had an illness. TJ Reader took the day off. He's been doing that. Uh, Evan McPherson was limited with right groin. That kind of explains the tightness that was referenced by Zach Taylor with McPherson and what he maybe was going through. So maybe that kind of sheds a little bit more light into that. Yeah, and they signed Elliott Fry to the practice squad. So, you know, if, if McPherson's another one, do you do you take that risk? If it is a slick field, if he if the, the groin is tight at all, I don't it we may not see him kick. And I mean, I don't know. Ogunjobi could have a regular illness or he could have reported symptoms yesterday because he wasn't feeling well. And then we find out today maybe he goes on the list or maybe more players go on the list. If you wait till later in the week to to self-report a, a symptom, then then you're definitely out for Sunday's game. But you're back in time to start the week of practice next week. Yeah, that's the thing. So when people see the list and they're freaking out or this, I mean – there's there's no real when if you've already basically figured that you're going to sit a bunch of guys and you're not really going to try to win this game um you're going to try to win but you're not going to play all your best players then this, it's not a big deal everybody will be back next week everybody everybody that goes on this list now from this point well at least to this point will be back for all of next week including monday so not really much uh, of of an issue there and the other thing is if you go to the covert reserve list then there can be a practice squad call up in your place that is a, a, a covid call up otherwise you have them you can only do so many calls from the practice squad so all those players i named on the list the covert reserve list can have uh, a parallel promotion from the practice <laughs> squad now what does that mean it means more dudes can sit <laughs> because at a certain point somebody that you care about has to play if you're you know and so if you have that you have more guys who are practice squad guys you're gonna have a lot of practice squad guys up and a lot of practice squad guys playing on sunday would be my guess on that one yeah um, and it, i mean it's i it, it, that might that would make a interesting. We're not going to do it, but it would make an interesting bet. How many how many practice squad currently on the practice squad guys will see action on Sunday? Because how many starters will start? That, how many starters another. from last week's game against the Chiefs will start on Sunday against the Browns? Put that yeah. over under at eight and a half. I'd say down the middle somewhere, yeah. I mean, I think you'll have some guys that are that are healthy will play. I mean, guys that don't have anything wrong, I would think will play. I don't. I don't think this is going to look like a fourth pre, uh, or I guess the last preseason game. Totally, I do think they'll still be out there. And we asked about Jamar Chase. Zach Taylor said potentially, which to me meant no. But maybe I'm just reading between the lines uh, on on that. I you know, there's some guys that maybe you're a little bit more careful with. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. Um, Trey Waynes is up back off COVID reserve. He will play. Yes. <laughs> Let me tell you who's going to go out there and, and uh, <laughs> earn some cash. Uh, Trey Waynes is going to be asked to play. To start. Uh, other, we'll see other if he grabs his hamstring and limps off. Um, Jackson Carmen's going to start. Uh, at left guard, so he's going to be taking that Quentin Spain spot. We don't know when Spain will be back. Um, you, you may see Jackson Carmen starting the, the playoff game. 
but they're going to give him the chance to start. Uh, it, it, I guess this thing has been out there about Riley Reef. We've told you a bunch of times he's not going to come back. He said it again. He is not coming back for the postseason. Like people, it, that's that's um, that's been been done. It's it's over. Um, sad news: Ross Browner passed away. Who uh, was one of the the big person, big likable personalities of the Bengals in the eighties and the top pick and. Uh, Sad to see see him pass away. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, Ross Browner was one of the first Bengals I ever was aware of. He came to my kindergarten when I was like, you know, so however young, 80, whatever, I had been like mid-80s, and and spoke, and I never forgot. Ross Browner just massive, you know, when you're, when you're in kindergarten, this yeah. massive man showed up and was, I just remember this huge guy telling telling jokes. And making me laugh. And uh, I always remembered Ross Browner for that. Sad news yesterday. I, always, I collected uh, football cards back then. And I it, it seemed like I always got Ross Browner cards. He It was the Bengal that I got over. Him and Coy Bacon, I got over and over and over again for whatever reason. It's not like they were they were scrubs. They were really good players. But had a lot of Ross Browner cards. And I remember, you know, I went to Super Bowl sixteen. I was a freshman in high school that year. I just remember that, that web defense and... Um, yes, very, very sad news. Uh, only 67. It's too young. Yeah. Um, we've also we've got a bunch of awards uh, that were given out. Uh, but just this morning, Bengals announced DJ Reader the, is getting the Ed Block Courage Award. Um, who, you know, I wrote about him last month. And a, a, a lot that he came, he overcame not just in coming back from injury, but coming back and playing at the level that he has, and it's kind of been very underrated, great player on this team. Uh, so good to see that happening. Uh, okay, what do we got? We got Jamar Chase is our AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Burrow wins FedEx Air Player of the Week. Jamar Chase wins the Nickelodeon Most Valuable Player, the MVP for a second time. Uh, the Bengals have now won. Jay, you had the stats on this yesterday. Is it seven of seventeen weeks. They've well, won. Not, they've won a player of the week. Seventeen. They they've have seven player of the week awards. Um, you know, seventeen weeks. That's fifty one possible player of the week. Because so you have offense, defense, and special teams. But, but se- seven of the seventeen weeks they've had one because they haven't had yes. any doubles. Yeah. Yes, right, exactly. And the the franchise record before this was five. Um that they had weekly awards. And a couple times they had five um back in the eighties, in eighty nine and eighty six, uh before they even had a special teams player of the week award. They didn't start doing that until ninety three. But um so, yeah, seven breaks the record the previous record was a five was last set in 2012 all right let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But will this be the last of the awards? Because award season is upon us, Jay. Uh, and so there's a lot of talk about because the Bengals are involved. They're kind of in the midst of the debates of all of these different ones. Um, and so there's a lot of fun topics, fun things to talk about. We haven't really dipped into them. There's just a, we t- we tend to talk about the team and and the real stuff here and and the awards. There's just other things to go through. But today, when they're about to play the Browns, there's they're not. <laughs> there's really not and so this is a good chance for us to dip into this conversation a little bit here we've we've gone through the odds on these before with you um we're going to revisit those and, and re and let you know where they're at again we'll start with coach of the year has come down to matt lafleur zach taylor bet mgm has both of them at plus 160 a dead heat and then mike vrabel at plus 350, so just behind them. And then you get into a bunch of people, Bill Belichick, plus 3,000. So basically, LaFleur, Zach Taylor, Mike Vrabel. One, who do you think should win this? Two, who do you think will win this? I think they're both the same. I think Zach Taylor deserves it, and I think he will win it. The voters like that come from nothing to something aspect. Kevin Stefanski won the award last year. Um, especially, I mean, Matt LaFleur has done a great job, but he has Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. Yeah, Zach has Burrow. But that they were a playoff team last year. They were a very good team last year. Titans were a very good team last year. Now, Vrabel gets some added points for kind of battling through the, the loss of Derrick Henry and likely clinching the number one seed, but I, I still, it's that rags to riches kind of thing that, that usually sways most of the voters. And and I think that's the way they're going to lean um, six twenty five and one to double digit wins in a division title. I, I, I have a hard time with this because I, I, I mean, I agree. It's hard to argue with what we've seen, the transformation that we've seen here and going over expectations and worst to first. And, and, and I don't disagree that he would be very deserving, a deserving winner if Zach Taylor won. I, I have never liked that this has always a rags to riches award. I've, I've never liked that about coach of the year in the past. I've always felt like it's ridiculous that. Why has Bill Belichick been overlooked like every year for two decades when <laughs> we just take it for granted that he was going 14 and two and like winning the Super Bowl all the time? And because he had Tom Brady, sustaining success is often harder than, than breaking through, you know? And that, so for me, I just, I just think Matt LaFleur des- deserves a lot of respect for what he's been able to do through three seasons in green Bay and this season, I mean, you talk about off the field stuff. Yeah. I mean, there was, there wasn't exactly a shortage of distractions in green Bay. And how much did Matt LaFleur 
do to just get Aaron Rodgers to the field? He seemed to be the one person that Aaron would was not talking bad about throughout the offseason in his frustrations. And who knew where Green Bay was going to be? And here they are, number one seed. Aaron Rodgers probably going to be MVP, and everybody's playing great. I just think there's you know that shouldn't be overlooked. That said, I mean, I, I absolutely un, I would have zero problem with Zach Taylor winning it. Nor do I think that he shouldn't. I just think it's 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 to me it's about how you view this award. Like, do you have a, do you, are you a rags to riches person in how you view the award? Is it you know biggest uh, jump? Or are you uh, one that views sustaining success as just as almost more challenging? And the level at which, which Matt LaFleur was able to sustain success, I think this year means something too. Um, I, I probably would give it to LaFleur, um, but that is, that is an, an unequivocally not a knock at all on Zach Taylor. I have zero mm. problem with him getting I think it's about how you view the award. Maybe I copped out on that. Did I cop out on that? No, I see what I see what you're saying. Do, do you know though when are the votes due? Is it at I believe it's the at end? the end of the season, end of the regular season. It's not regular a post, there's season, no so playoff wins. Yeah. yeah, so it'd be next week they would. They and would I did look uh, Belichick's won 3 of them. So they it, there are times when sustaining excellence does yeah, does what, get the rewarded, perfect season but, and probably the for <laughs> the two early ones, right? Uh 2010 they went 14 and 2. Uh, 2007 was the perfect season and, uh, 2003, um, I think that's when they won their, their first of the back-to-backs. Yeah. Maybe, Belichick yeah. deserved nothing from 2010 to 2020. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was all Brady carrying him. All Brady carrying him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, nothing. What did he do? Um, so that's coach of the year. Let's talk about, um, offensive rookie of the year. It is Literally, according to BetMGM, a two-man race, they only have two people left on the board. It is Jamar Chase and Mac Jones. They currently have flipped it so far. They now have Jamar Chase at minus 250 as the favorite and Mac Jones getting you plus 200. Um, So Jamar has emerged as the favorite. And honestly, I mean, yeah, one week will do that for you sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when it all comes together in one week, when you have the best receiving game of the year and like we talked about with Mo on Tuesday maybe one of the best receiving games I've ever seen uh you put you now have single game rookie record single season rookie record for receiving yards um you know that's pretty good now this has been a quarterback award a lot uh Mac Jones has had a nice season uh recent offensive rookies of the year Justin Herbert Won it last year. The same debate kind of was had when they talked about Justin Herbert and Justin Jefferson. Um, and so Herbert won over Jefferson, but Herbert's year was far more spectacular mm. than Mac Jones this year, without a doubt. And Jamar has been just a touch better than Jefferson even was last year. Now, both, I think that you put them on very similar levels, but, uh, That's notable there. Kyler Murray won. Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Dak Prescott, Todd Gurley. Last receiver to win was Odell Beckham Jr. in 2014. Um, I think Chase is going to win this. 
you, you know what this reminds me of? It's it, that video. I don't know if it was the Tour de France or it was some bicycle rake race and the guy that was winning kind of takes his hands off the handlebars and he's celebrating and then here comes some dude and right at the last minute passes him <laughs> and the guy's like, what? I thought I had it won. Because yeah. if, if Chase doesn't play this week and Mac Jones has a huge game to possibly win the – I mean, it would take the Jets beating the Bills for the Patriots to win the division, but – if if Mac Jones has a big final game, it's it's a close race. Chase is the favorite right now, but it's close. And Jones was the favorite for a long time before Jamar just jumped in front of him. I I could see because what you said, it is a quarterback award typically. I I could see that that Mac Jones winning this one. I think Jamar deserves it. Um, and I'm not ruling out him not winning it, but it just feels like him sitting out is going to, he would, if he does, it would leave him 14 yards short of Chad's franchise record for most receiving yards by any player in a season, not just rookie, and might possibly cost him the Rookie of the Year award. Here's the thing about Mac Jones, who's had a great year considering who he is and at the at that position and playing for Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. He's been fine. He's been really, he's been a good quarterback. Okay. As rookies go, you know, if you look at over the last 10 years, you had four, let's see, 41 quarterbacks who threw at least 250 passes in their rookie year. Mac Jones in yards per attempt is, is 11th. He's right there next to Teddy Bridgewater and he's with the Gardner Minshew, Andrew Luck, uh, all, all right down there in, in yards per attempt. Um, you know me, I'm a big adjusted net yards per attempt guy. Um, Mac Jones is 10th right there with Mariota, uh, Cam Newton, Joe Burrow last year, Andrew Luck, Andy Dalton, all in the same area. He's not up with the top. This isn't the best quarter rookie quarterback we've seen in the last decade. It's, you know, he's not even as good as Herbert was last year. He's been very good. And that's great. And the, and what they've done as a team is great. Jamar Chase has had arguably the greatest rookie receiving season of all time. Like at Chris a certain Carter point, said. are we are we not? Are we just? I mean, this isn't like MVP, which has been this predominantly totally quarterback award. There's enough recent history of running backs and receivers that win it that I think it's. Offensive Rookie of the Year is much more of a general thing when you just have a truly special season. Mac Jones's season was great. It was not special. Jamar Chase's rookie season was special, and to me, that's what puts him over the top. It could go the other way. It could. The, the Patriots have for years, even when they've been these great elite Super Bowl teams, they struggle playing in Miami. If Mac Jones goes down to Miami and has a bad game, then yeah, Jamar Chase wins it without even playing. That's. I'm more interested to see how that one plays out, just because of the history of them really liking quarterbacks. Although you mentioned Kamara and Barkley recently have won it, um, I just I'm really interested to see how that one is going to play out more so than the Coach of the Year and, and some of the other awards. Um, I'll say this before we get. You know, people have pretty much left Joe Burrow out of the MVP debate. They've turned it into Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, and that has gone sensationally bad for some people that have talked about that. Um, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers calling people bums. Uh, you know, it just. I people who listen to this podcast know that I have a lot of problems with the way a lot of things are voted for. 
not- most notably the Hall of Fame. I do think these awards being solely an AP same voters is is an issue. I am a there are so many people that are very good at covering the NFL. I am a voting block guy. It should rotate. It shouldn't be the same people every year doing the same stuff. You should have different groups of people for different awards. Baseball has a lot where they do this type of thing this way too, where some years you end up on the MVP and you're just focusing on that all year. Another year, maybe you're the, you're one of the voters who's in on rookie of the year. There's enough people that we can do this. This does not have to be where we're pulling out the AP is the one who's the be all end all in the stuff. And I love the AP. They do a great job, but there's enough people that cover this game and do it well and do it intelligently that we can break this up off soapbox. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are kind of the head-to-head here. The fact that we're talking about Joe Burrow as in the conversation a little bit, third on the BetMGM board right now at plus 1,400, uh, is already a massive victory. Like receiving votes as an MVP in year two yeah, that's good enough. Like I, that's it, you know, and against two guys who at some point maybe will be out of the league, uh, while you're still very much in your prime. I don't know. Maybe maybe Brady will be around until he's fifty eight. But you know, I the deck is cl- is cleared, and and I don't think you should be sweating Joe Burrow not getting MVP, even if his numbers, which we ran through earlier this week, and and we've talked a lot about this year are certainly up there as as one of the best in football. You know, you you do have to uh, tip a little bit to what Rodgers. I mean, the, the interceptions are what doom Burrow, essentially, when people mm-hmm. are going to be looking at box scores. No, that's going to be the difference, especially when you put it next to Rodgers, who never throws them. Yeah, and, and that's why earlier in the year he was way down the list. I mean, this is only recent that he's even got up and, and kind of – he's still not really in striking distance of – of Brady and Rogers, but he is third that he it's the last couple of weeks. He's made a big climb and it was earlier in the year just because of the interceptions and, and they were winning, but it, it, the, the interceptions were holding him back. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that kind of momentum carries over to next year, but he will, if you're, if you're kind of projecting out what the preseason odds for 2022 will be, I, I would say he's definitely going to be top five. He might be top three as far as preseason favorite to win MVP next year. Yeah. And you know where else you'll see him? You will see him in Mike Sando's tier one. Yep. Uh, when they do the quarterback, you know, the executives are pay- are all at Canvas to see where they rank all the quarterbacks and everybody ends up in different tiers. Uh, he was at the bottom of tier two this year with a lot of people saying they like what they saw, but waiting to see the next step. I think you're going to see Joe Burrow jumping up into tier one next year there for sure too. And and if you're in that, then you're in the MVP conversation every single season. Um, you know, I comeback player of the year is basically just let's compare Dak Prescott and Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow has been better than Dak Prescott. I don't know. I just, I have a hard time getting riled up over comeback player of the year. Yeah. Like, I just don't think anybody really cares. And I just, I think a lot of it too is the injury. I mean, we've seen so many, even quarterbacks, but we've seen so many players come back from ACLs. It's it, You don't want to say it's been routine because that kind of minimizes the work they go through to get back. But it happens a lot that Dak's injury was so much worse. And uh, 
so much more concern about whether it would affect him. I don't, I don't think that comeback player of the award is based as much on performance as it is injury overcome. Um, and I don't know that, I mean, well, Joe still hasn't, he's, he's closed the gap significantly, but he's not playing this week. I, I think that one's Dax to win. Yeah, they have, it's pretty close to a heat. I mean, they have Dak at minus 185 and Burrow at plus 145. So a little bit of difference between the two of them, but we'll see how that plays out. All right, let's just take a quick break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The other thing I want to transition into before we talk to Zach Jackson is, you know, kind of working on a few things this week, uh, you know, for the playoffs and, and and a couple of bigger stories. And so we've been talking to a lot of people sort of behind the scenes and you, you've it's helped provide a little bit of a glimpse, you know, due to the stuff that we're working on into what has kind of made this team click this year. And there were a couple of, I'll call them monologues, but a couple of very long uh, points made this week that really stood out on that. And I I think it's easy to see, and especially when we now will talk about Cleveland, a team that turned out to be a very talented roster, but never clicked, never had the chemistry, that ended up being sort of a team of individuals, right? I mean, that is the opposite of what happened here and, and what Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and Luana Rumo and Darren Simmons all and Duke Tobe, they all preached from the beginning was we're going to build a team where we, we put a much higher value on competitiveness, being a good teammate, loving football. And, and, and not that you're, you're obviously always valuing talent, but the idea being the talent level in the NFL is so similar everywhere, and it plays out every week. The difference is in the teams that really come together, that have good chemistry, that are resilient, and and love being teammates around each other. 
Is there any more obvious difference of that than Cleveland and Cincinnati this year? No. Quarterback play would also be a giant piece of that. But when you have a quarterback who sets the tone on that, it also makes a difference. I want to bring you these two quotes. One is uh, I talked to uh, Kevin Huber, who's been here, obviously, as long as anybody. He's seen this franchise. And he talked a little bit about the difference of this team versus you know others that he's been around and how, why this one has been so special. And then another question, which CJ Uzama just kind of took, because he's one to do, uh, into a, 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 a different place. But I thought it was a really a good place and, and an interesting one. When you think about that, think about that through the lens of why did this team, why was this team different? Why why were they kind of special? And um, I think these two quotes go a long way to telling that. Here's Kevin Huber first, and then CJ Uzama. <laughs> Is this kind of a different feel to this team um, than – and I know every team's a little different, but is this one really as far different from the outside as it seems like it is from any of the ones that you've been on? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. I think the – just the feeling is, you know, it's it, it feels like it's one common goal for everybody. Um, you don't really feel the – the one-offs that are doing it just for themselves or stats or their next contract or whatever. It's like, first things first, let's just win. Yeah. And then we'll figure it, everything else, figure out, you know, figure it out. Like, you know, people that are in this locker room are here because they, they love to play football and they love, they want to win. They yeah. want to win together. And, you know, I think that's kind of, you know, I, I think that's why we're here today just because, we've seen them the change over the last three years under Zach. And it's something that I'm sure, you know, he's had our time just, I'm sure he's been ready to get it over because, you know, he knows what's going on. He's got to take the brunt of it and just get beat up in the media and get beat up with everybody saying like, you know, you aren't winning, you aren't winning. But it's like, we all knew that we were in the right, going the right direction. We all yeah. knew, you know, things were changing for the better and the right people were getting in place. And, you could just tell just the, in the locker room, the, the mental shift and just no matter what was going on the last two years, everyone kept staying positive. Everyone just kept working hard. No one was giving up, mm -hmm. you know, all the way through to weeks, you know, whatever it was last year, 17, how many games now mm -hmm. we're in 18 games or 17 games, you know, no matter what game it was, people were still wanting to play and wanting to win. And that's just, that's, that's a huge dynamic shift. And I think from years past. CJ, before the season, you uh, obviously mentioned Super Bowl, and uh, I'm sure you saw the tweet uh, in the post game. Uh, but either way, we we saw it where uh, you, you mentioned the Super Bowl again, and that the AFC North isn't the goal. How much of that belief, because you clearly believe it, comes from having number nine and number one on this team? I think, um, yeah. I mean, just talking them up for a second. <laughs> oh. Like, they're unbelievable, man. Um, it's it's fun. And even talking to, like, after the game, I mean, I got kind of emotional. I was like, damn, like, this is this has been, you know, for me, I mean, this has been a long time coming to, to get back to where, you know, we're in the position that we're in. Um, and so it, it, it was it was a lot, right? And then in the locker room, just staffing everybody up, congratulating everybody, um, and then talking to Trey Hendrickson. Trey was like, Man, this is the most fun I've had. Like, I'm just just being honest, and it you can tell. Like, 
everyone, I'm having fun. Like when I see Nam back there just throwing it to F it, Jamar's down there somewhere and Jamar's just making plays. <laughs> F it, T's down there in double coverage, T's making plays. I am hype. I, I mean, everybody is. Everybody's going crazy. If you look, I don't know about the TV copy. It has to be on the TV copy too. But if you look on film and you watch our defense watching us fall out, it is, it is like, it's refreshing. You see Mike Hilton just like grabbing people up off the ground, just like, just slapping us. I mean, it is, it's fun. <laughs> Always great to hear uh, from those guys. Um, you know, see, the CJ has sort of said this a lot all year, like how much fun this is, how much fun everybody's having. And look at everybody on the sideline, right? Look at, look at Mike Hilton jumping up and down. But that's true. I mean, we've said it all year that that ha- that has been obvious and consistent throughout. What even on losing streaks, and they thought was oh it's because they're winning. Well, yeah, partially because they're winning, but they've had some really rough patches when they met, fell to five and four and hit the bye, and and, th- and there was reason you could finger point some ugly games where you know the defense carried the offense and vice versa. But it always has looked the same as what CJ's kind of talking about, and I th- I think that's a big deal. I loved yesterday, you know, at the end of the Zoom, he, most of those, you know, in past years when they're losing, it's like any, any chance, any pause, they're like, okay, we're done. And they end it. And he, a bunch of questions were coming in late and, and they were trying to cut it off. And CJ's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll do one more. Paul it looked like you were trying to get in. And he gave you an extra question or two. And he just, he was having fun just talking. And then, as he goes to leave, he leans into the camera and tells us as Logan Wilson's walking into the room to for us to call Logan Dash because he looks like Dash from The Incredibles. And he does. He does. I, I, <laughs> I tweeted a side by side photo, which uh, CJ and Logan both retweeted there. Were, they were having fun with it. It's just it's that kind of it's that kind of team. And you there's always that debate. Does does chemistry lead to winning or does winning lead to chemistry? Um, I, it's the it's the the chicken and the egg argument, but they, they've got both they're winning. And this is a, a really connected team that is having a lot of fun right now. And, and I think it comes back to, you know, when you're, when you're, when you've got the pie in front of you, right. And what, what percentages do you place on what traits it's about? It's not, it, it's about putting a, just a larger percentage on the, the character element and the caring about being a good teammate and, and charisma, uh, which is a word that Duke Tobin has always used with me when he was something he loves to look for in players that can create this special type, you know, hard work, things like that. This became a topic of conversation last week when Kirk Herbstreet talked about how there's not as many players now who love football, right? Now, I'm not going to get into what Kirk Herbstreet said or how, what the context was or any of that. But I do think there is, because there's so much money in the game now, so many more players who love what football brings. And that's fine. I don't have a problem with there being lots of players who get paid, benefit off of that. Good. They deserve it. There's a lot of people making a lot of money off them for a long time. That's not my point. The point is, though, that there is a smaller number that have that sort of like old school, true love of football. I think um, it's just, it you know, because there's so much money to be made. And again, I don't have any problem with any of that, but valuing finding those guys more, I do think has been a very much a 
concerted design of how they've done this team. And it came together probably better than they thought, but this was the vision that they had when they valued that characteristic. Yeah, and they and they've talked about it for years that the, those were the since Zach got here, those were the guys that that he wanted to bring in. That, and you, that was one of the benefits last year was at the Senior Bowl. They got to two years ago they got to coach, so they got to know the guys a little bit better. Last year, they they got fifteen minutes with every single player to sit down and do an interview. And that's so much of what that's about that the combine is a little bit more X's and O's and, and what do you know? But the, the, the senior bowl is a little more relaxed and getting to know these guys as people. And, and that comes through uh, who truly loves the game. And we've seen them. I mean, their draft picks the last few years are a huge reason why they are where they are right now. There's no doubt about that. And the guys they've brought in have had that reputation, yeah. particularly as, you know, workers in practice. You know, I mean, we talked about the Trey Hendrickson story a lot about how he was concerningly uh, <laughs> in, involved in wanting to go hard at practice. Things like that, I mean, I, I think it's just, it's just a part of it. Something that, that sold them really hard that maybe other teams didn't care as much about. That's all. And, uh, you know, so speaking of teams that came together versus teams that didn't, let's bring in Zach Jackson and talk about the Cleveland Browns. How are things in Cleveland today, Zach? Oh, for me, they're okay. Um, for the Browns, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really cold today. Everybody's getting ready. No, it's it's been an interesting season. Um, I appreciate you guys having me. I appreciate being called one of your favorites. Um, <laughs> I'm happy for you guys getting to cover, uh, you know, an exciting season. You've se- seen some stuff, right? We have. <laughs> and, um, you know, just strange year in the division, strange year in the AFC. And a strange year here in Cleveland, which makes, you know, 17 of the last 20. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's where I was going to start. I mean, I was going to start with a very simple question, which I'm sure will elicit a succinct response. Uh, What in the hell went wrong this year? A lot did mostly the offense. You know, they brought back all 11 starters and really the five next contributors um, from what was a good offense and, and at times a great offense. Right. So there were high, high expectations and, it just never clicked. Um, that game in Cincinnati in mid-November was such an outlier. That was what the Browns did last year, which was get aggressive off turnovers, which was run and pass and then you know create the one big play to break it open and turn it over to the running backs to just deflate you and defeat you in the fourth quarter. And, you know, they had injuries. They obviously had turmoil with Odell. Um, they, they had a couple games early in the season where – they outplayed the Chargers and Chiefs for two and a half, three quarters and didn't get it done in the fourth. And then they just hit a wall um, from week six to 17. They scored over 17 points on offense three times or 17 or more three times. And what made that worse is the defense didn't really get good until the back end of November. So they went to new England the week after Cincinnati and they just bottomed out. And that was a turning point for the defense. You know, the guys really stepped up and it's become a top five, top six defense, but there was no offense to match. Um, Then they had the COVID stuff in December and it's just like, yes, they only played a few games with their full roster and what they envisioned. And yes, there, there have been some positives, believe it or not. I mean, this is still a good team. This is still a roster that people would take going forward. Like three quarters of the league would still take this roster, but not all the lights came on at once. And they certainly didn't stay on when they did. 
You know, that, that stat's kind of amazing. I, I only went back to the Bengals game, and I, I noticed that they were averaging 14.9 points per game since that Bengals game. That's what I was going to say is, you know, make it a pie chart. Who's who's Who takes most of the blame for that? Is, is it Baker? How much of it's Stefanski and his play calling? How much of it is other? Yeah, Jed, you know, those are the two who take the most blame for it, right? And they were averaging 28 a game when they had Hunt and Chubb for the first five weeks. And then they both had injuries and then they both had COVID and um, the line wasn't intact. But yeah, you know, it, it's going to fall on the head coach and the quarterback and the quarterback just bottomed out, right? For a while you were saying, well, at least he's not turning it over. Well, it's, he doesn't throw it down the field and they don't scare anybody, but at least he wasn't turning it over. And then in December he started turning it over. And then the other night, um, you know, which, which to me has big asterisks because they were eliminated. I don't think one is Nick Chubb much, right? Which which I get. And then all of a sudden, for as poorly as they played, they were still in the game, and they weren't playing Nick Chubb. I mean, they were throwing. And when a quarterback gets sacked nine times, well, it's not all his fault. Um, it's like what what are we what are we doing here? But guys were open. He didn't see them or couldn't see them. He missed guys. You know, Odell quit the team in the middle of the season. Jarvis was hurt for three quarters of the season. And, and Jarvis Landry is just so important when he's healthy because he blocks his butt off. He catches almost everything, even though he faltered in, in the first loss to the Steelers. But he would just catch so many six- and eight-yard passes and turn them in, you know, get four extra yards or sometimes eight or 20 extra yards. And without that element, I just felt like they were never able to really get that rhythm. And and Chubb missed four or five games and – you know, he's he's run really well in December, but that 70 yard run in Cincinnati, there was just too, too far, um, too few, too far with those. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's that good. Like you expect that, like Nick Chubb is one of the three best running backs in the game. I think Nick Chubb is one of the 15 best players in the game. There's just not mm-hmm. many guys who are 230 pounds and break away from people like that. But w- without the pass offense, without the situation to really feed him and allow him to do that. Those just weren't there. And um, like I said, I, I I had qualms about handling this and taking the next step, but nobody saw the offense bottoming out the way it did. Here's the question then, is what happens next with Baker Mayfield in the quarterback position? And I guess that's the million dollar, well, a lot of million dollars actually, uh, question in Cleveland. But I mean, wh- where do you think it goes next there? Do they do they enter the free agent mix? Do they start getting into the, maybe they'll be the team to swing the big quarterback trade this year? Is Do they bring Baker back? I mean, wh- where could they go? Well, he's under contract on that fifth-year option, $19 million guaranteed which is a hell of an engagement ring, right? But um, the Browns are not planning the wedding. They're just, they, they're not. So where do they go, Paul? They go into the trade market. What's realistically available and who and what is when the bidding war starts, you know, we don't know. Uh, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. I don't think Deshaun Watson is touchable right now. Does Derek Carr become available? Do you hold your nose and take, Kirk Cousins or what's left of Matt Ryan? And are those upgrades? I don't know. Um, Certainly anybody's an upgrade for how Baker played for about half of the year. That's just how it is. Um, He was injured. You would like it to work. I think body language and the way the GM came out of the bye week and said he's healthy enough to win, we expect him to play better, and the way he crashed in December tells me he's not going to be back. I think – 
this little back and forth of passive aggressiveness with with the coach in the last two weeks tells me he's he's not going to be back. Um, you know, Baker's usually aggressive, aggressive, not passive aggressive, but he he's a man for many talents that way when it comes to picking fights. But hitting open guys is a different challenge. Um, <laughs> I don't expect him to be back, Paul, but I cannot put it at more than 40, 60 because I just don't know what the realistic options will be. And then if that list of realistic options is one or two or three or even 10, which ones are better? I, you know, I don't know right now. So yes, trading for Derek Carr is absolutely better. Yes. Saying we have this roster and we would trade for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson is absolutely better. And it would make the Browns a contender, but to sit here right now, three days before the season mercifully ends um, and say that those are realistic. I don't, I don't think that the, you know, the, the percentages are small to me that those are realistic. And I think we'll just have to see over the coming months, but I mean, or am I, the rest of us preparing for another Browns quarterback search? Yes, because it's going to be a search where it's going to lead. I don't know. And if I was putting odds on it right now, I would have to still make Baker the, very small favorite that wasn't a small joke by the way <laughs> we don't do those in the Bengals browns rivalry anymore That's no, right. we, we learned poorly. from marvin not to it, do that. very poorly we don't do that anymore we don't want little john coming back down here for availability all right <laughs> what a history <laughs> You mentioned them not wanting to play chubb that much was that a load management thing i mean do you think we're going to see some more of that this Sunday or, or is it going to be full go for everybody that is available or do you expect a decent amount of starters to get half loads or maybe not even play? Yeah. Yeah. Jay, um, that's a good observation and not to go too deep, but like they, at the beginning of the year kind of had a plan laid out for Chubb and for hunt, right? They're both under contract, but these are still valuable resources you want to keep. And one thing that happened is stump Mitchell, the running backs coach and a really highly respected assistant coach, um, had some complications from some surgery and he missed a part of the year. And it's just like one of those years where it just starts snowballing. Right. And and he's not there. So yes, I think they looked and they said, we have Nick Chubb and he's 26 and we expect him to give us three or four more years of really good football. But why are we going to overuse him um, in Monday night in, in Pittsburgh when we're really not playing for anything? And I expect that to permeate. They've added some guys to the practice squad this week, Dearness Johnson, their third back who would be, a number two or even a one B back on a lot of teams is on the COVID list. Uh, we know case Keenum's going to play. Um, I don't expect Denzel Ward to play. I don't expect miles and Clowney to play their normal rotations. So um, I, th- this is very much going to be, and this is my read. Um, this is nothing Stefanski will say, not that he answers anything about anything. This is very much going to be a third preseason game for the Browns, where most of the lineup is going to be in there, but not one risk is going to be taken. And the whole goal is going to be to get it over with and to evaluate some young guys. Because um, <clears throat> going forward, you know, they're they're still in pretty good shape cap wise, but they and they have some ways they could get a lot healthier cutting some veterans, but they need to have replacements and then they need to know how they're shaping it. Are you paying a quarterback 30 million or not? Uh, obviously would, would shape or reshape any team's cap. All the, all the jokes about the chargers and Raiders game being a kneel off. Maybe this game is more likely to be that. I mean, <laughs> the Bengals are in the same boat. They just want it over with and, and absolutely it, just get, yeah. get through it healthy. And, um, 
I, I've got some boo trivia for you if you <laughs> if, if you want to take it because I don't think too the Bengals and Browns aren't interested in this game that much. So so why should we be um, more on the the historical standpoint? Um, since two thousand eight, Ohio born players have scored touchdowns for the Browns in the Battle of Ohio. How many can you name? Eight Ohio-born players have scored touchdowns for the Browns. Yes, in the Since Battle of Ohio. Oh, I'm gonna guess Charlie on a quarterback scramble. Yep, he had two actually. Okay, well of course but that only counts as one player, <laughs> right? <laughs> Ohio-born for the Browns. Gosh, Denzel Ward with the touchdown return in the last game. Yep. Yeah, you should have told me this was coming. I'd have had my caffeine and I'd have had these knocked out so quickly. I can uh, give you the other ones if you don't a, want to go through them. It's a sad existence. That I leave. Um, did Darnell Sanders score a touchdown? He did in oh 2002. Right, I'm quitting on that. I'm the saddest. <laughs> Going out on top. Because listen, Darnell Sanders made like one and a half plays in his entire career. Nice guy. But um, me getting that, yeah, I'm going to stop right there with Darnell Sanders. <laughs> yeah, if I was power ranking the ones you wouldn't get, that would have been at the top. Um, the other ones were Kareem Hunt. He's had a, three of them. Yeah, that's an obvious uh, one. I'm dumb. Yes. Brady Brady Quinn had a run. Uh, Deshaun wow. Kaiser had a run. Joe Juravicious in 2007. And uh, Mark <laughs> Edwards, pride of Cincinnati Norwood High School okay. uh, in 2000. I really should have gotten them all except for except for Mark. And I, re- I remember Mark Edwards well, uh, but I really – Probably should have gotten them all except then. So shame on me, but my gosh, the Darnell Sanders one. What a sad existence. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have any suggestions for what we can do Sunday in in the press dining area instead of watching this game? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, there's going to – the good news here is there's going to be a celebration. Um, Doug Deacon's calling it a career. He's Uh, he's Cleveland's lap. You know, those guys know and and love each other. Um, He is the link from – not just, you know, the divide division in the Browns pre-99 and, and post-99, but um, really the entire franchise going back. He's been with, I mean, for 50 years of the 75 of existence, Doug Deacon's been employed by the Browns, and he's calling it a career. So um, it was really a good good di- diversion by the Browns, although I think it was unintentional there. But no, I, like I said, I, I think um, I think you guys will be writing quickly and back on the road. Um at 71 South at a human hour, because I think both teams are going to run it straight ahead and uh, want the hell out of there. And hopefully the officials comply and we'll just see where it goes. But listen, Paul, here's what I need to tell you. Yeah. When you come to Cleveland and go to Swenson's, those are imitators. Those are franchise stepping out like the one down in Anderson now, right? Okay. Like if you guys know about Swenson's and you go to the one in Anderson, that's fine. I'm not trying to get Swenson's on my bad side. But when you want the Swenson's experience, you have uh-huh. to go to one of the originals, either the original in West Akron, which would only be a little bit out of your way coming north, or like Kent, um, Cuyahoga Falls, somewhere around there. That's what you have to do. Now, I know, I know Jay wants to go to Great Lakes, and that's fine too, but I just – my, my friends in Cincinnati are like, we got a Swenson's. And I'm like, no, you don't. That's like saying in Cleveland, we got a quarterback because you guys do. No, it's not. It's not how it goes. That's fair. I mean, it's exci- it was exciting to see it. The moment it showed up on like uh, the story broke here that there's going to be a Swenson's, yeah. I immediately had to reach out to you and be like, tell me about the hype because I, I, I only know it through – the 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 constant tweets about Swensons and sweatpants from your Twitter feed. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm I'm really excited to try it. But I, you're right. Maybe I will have to start at the original. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, get off on a bad foot here. 
Yeah. I mean, if it, listen, if, if I was actually going to bring you guys some to the press box, if we were going to have a four thirty or eight thirty game, but I don't think they're going to open at 8am for me to, to come up. So. <laughs> if anybody though, it would be for you, Zach. Thanks for jumping on with this. I look forward to catching up with you in the, in the press box. I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about and uh, good, good luck with, with quarterback watch it. That sounds like it's going to be a long off season. All right. Thanks fellas. All right, always good to hear from Zach. You gave him the boo trivia, Jay. Now, I did. Now I'm wondering, are you what, where? Where are we going with my boo trivia? Yeah, well, you know, you're getting the same. It's I'm not going to ask you to name. I'm going to ask you if you can guess. I'm not going to name you as every player, but do you know how many Ohio-born players have scored touchdowns for the Bengals in the Battle of Ohio? For Zach. I only went back to 2000 because that was an easy sort for birth state because that only that goes back to 2000. But for Bengals, I went through every box score and clicked on every name that scored to see where they were born. So from 1968 to no, 2000, you didn't. I did, and it, it was easy because I did it on Pro Football Reference. So once you click a player once, his name his link turns purple. So if you go to the next game, it's a guy that you've already checked. Um, and there were some years when there weren't a lot of touchdowns being scored by the Bengals. So it, it, it wasn't as time-consuming as it sounds. It sounds quite time-consuming. <laughs> it, it, it took a little bit of time, but it wasn't, it wasn't awful. And I love this kind of stuff. So, And wow. for you listeners, maybe you can win a drink or two at a bar with, with, the, with this information you're about to get. So from two, 2021 through 1968, how many Ohio-born players have scored a touchdown for the Bengals in the Battle of Ohio? Wow. I'll say 38. <laughs> Six. What? Six. Six? You have to go back a ways to find the last one to do it. Any, any care to guess what year was the last time an Ohio-born player scored in the Battle of Ohio? Wow. The last time an Ohio-born player scored in the Battle of Ohio. I, I, I don't know. It was Tim McGee in what? 1992 in a game that Dave Shula beat Bill Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tim, uh, McGee. T- t- Tim McGee. Tim McGee. 1992, the other Ohio-born players that have scored for the Bengals in the Battle of Ohio, Eric Ball, Chris Collinsworth, he was born in Dayton. A lot of people don't know that. Um, M.L. Harris, the former tight end, and then the Griffin brothers. Ray Griffin had an interception return for a touchdown, and Archie Griffin had a rushing touchdown. Well, I feel stupid. I just thought there were more Ohio-born players on the Bengals, I guess. A lot of people would say Joe Burrow, because he did have a rushing touchdown in that game at Cleveland last year, but... He was born in Ames, Iowa. He was raised in Athens, Ohio, but he was born in yeah. Ames, Iowa. Yeah. Wow. How about that? All right. Jay, that's that's some dedication right there. <laughs> Clicked on every name. Every uh, all right. It is growler bet time. You're going to need something to get you through Sunday's game. So the growler bet is here to help you. Jay, what do we got? All right. We're going to go with one of our favorite growler bet systems i guess you would say um it's time of game and and what we want to know is the time of game that the browns get their second sack against the bengals because that 
will tie the Bengals franchise record for sacks allowed in a season. They gave up 53 in 1993 and they gave up 53 in 1998. They're currently sitting at 51. So at what time of the game, you're not allowed to say no. If, if the Browns don't get two sacks, then everybody loses. So we're just assuming the Browns are going to get two sacks. And what will the time be on the official play-by-play at the snap of that second sack? Within five seconds. Five. Why You wouldn't let me go so close for beer on the, the, <laughs> the so close guy on Tuesday. You're going to go five seconds? I'm going to go five seconds. You got wow. the whole game out there. I'll say, um, for me, I'm going to say... 7.46 in the third quarter. 7.46 third quarter. Thought for a second there you're going to go 7.47 and steal my palindrome. Oh. You said third quarter. I'm going to go 11.11 second quarter. <laughs> okay. Uh, send that to pdaner at theathletic.com with your time of the second sec. Uh, or hashtag Bengals Growler Bet, hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter and uh, get it in before the game starts. And you could win some delicious, delicious 50 West beer. Could be yours. Uh, all right, run, pass, or boot time. Run, pass, or boot this weekend. What do you got, Jay? All right, this one could be all over the place. This I, I could see this going any which way which makes it a good run passer boot. I don't know how relevant it is to the outcome, but what will be greater on Sunday? Total points, and it's points scored by both teams, obviously. Total sack yardage or total completions? And it sounds uh, a little I, lopsided. Yeah, I, I'm going to boot sack yardage. Okay. I, I, just, I don't think that's going to get out of hand. Um, and then I'm going to run... With completions, uh, even though I think there'll be a lot of running, I don't think it's going to be, you know, this isn't going to look like the old game four preseason versus the Colts nine to six <laughs> uh, where no one throws. I don't think it's going to be like that. So I'm going to pass. To, I'm going to pass on total points. You know, the last time they played, the, the Browns alone had five sacks for 25 sack yards, um, and that game had more points than completions. But I do. I think this one is. I'm running with completions. I'm going to pass on sack yardage, and I'm going to boot total points. And you're going to find out why here in just a little bit. Okay. Uh, speaking of then prediction time, uh, let's dive into trying to predict which team wants to win more or wants to lose less. I'm not really sure how we're going to judge this. Um, you got to feel the Browns are going to be trying to get the hell out of Dodge. The Bengals aren't going to be playing their best players. This is like trying to bet on preseason. What do you got? Yeah, so many times these games you think you know how they're going to go and they go the other way, but I don't think this is one of them. I, and I, this is the score I picked in the whip around when I turned my answers in last night. So I'm going to stick with it here on the podcast. Going Bengals 11, Browns 9. <laughs> How now? Do the Browns miss a two-point conversion at the gun? Is that what you're calling here? Nah, three field goals. Three field goals. Uh, I like the idea of the two-point <laughs> conversion gone bad. Uh, I have. I think the Bengals are going to win too. I think Brandon Allen's going to probably play okay, and 
and I think the Browns are just going to have zero interest in this tilt. Um, so Bengals 21, Browns 13 is is my final on that one. So I don't know what any of that means. Uh, and then how about this? Second prediction. Bengals first round matchup ends up being what? I'm going to play the odds and say the Patriots. It just it, it looks like it's going that way. The the only way the Patriots win the division is if the Bills lose at home to the Jets. So, and the Bengals, even if they win, they're more likely to get a three or a four seed. And if they lose, they're almost guaranteed the four seed. And I just it just feels like a four or five game. Patriots at Bengals. I would agree with you. I think I think we're going to be talking about. New England, we're going to get the the rookie of the year showdown, right? Between Mac Jones and right. Jamar Chase actually happening. Uh, I, I'm with you on that. I, I, The Colts, I think the Colts are still very much in play. Uh, they, could, they, could, they could end up there. You end up that three seed. I mean, I think yeah. a, a Colts game is there, and I think you're okay with that matchup too. So, um, all right. Can I make another prediction? Yeah, sure. Why not? If, what else are we doing? If it is if it is Chargers, I, I think the very first Monday night football playoff matchup. They didn't do it. They didn't move it into primetime. I think Burrow Herbert gets the Monday night treatment if it's Bengals Chargers. I never know anymore. I mean, there's been so many times this year where it seemed obvious that they would move the Bengals in. I do think what ha- them becoming the story they became over the last two weeks and the story that Burrow became over the last two weeks has moved the needle with them. Uh, so perhaps, but again, it, beca- it depends on market mm-hmm. and and who wants what. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. You got to you got to take into account the chance that we could be talking about Monday night football uh, for the Bengals in the playoffs as well. And yeah, they, they would certainly be a prime candidate and something like that. And new England, um, they're never shy about putting new England into a, a prime sp- slot either. So either way, the stage will be bright uh, for Joe Burrow in the playoffs. And we'll see how we'll know when we talk to you next on the walkout, I believe we'll know we should pretty much know. It's usually that Sunday night game. Oh, we'll get, we'll, about it, maybe it may come down to that Chargers. Well, yeah. assuming that could be for the last spot. It, we might know by the time we talk to you next. We'll see. We'll see. It could be for two spots because if they tie. But uh, they, they, they have uh, a way of creating this either Brandon or. Brandon Staley not as interested in, in, <laughs> in the knee off as I am. The, the, the respect and integrity of the game. They don't, they don't have to knee off to have a tie. That's true. I mean, that, that could just happen organically. <laughs> never rooted for anything more all right uh okay sounds great thanks everybody uh for listening we will talk to you on the walkout after sunday's game in cleveland and we will officially be in playoff week on this podcast for the first time in its history looking forward to that uh have a good one everybody we'll talk to you next time 